0: Well, hello, uh, it's probably been a while since I've seen many of you, especially um, at home on stream. We've been away on a month long holiday in Noosa and God is real because we came back, which is a miracle. <laughs> and um, we had a great time with Geordie's um, mom up there. And uh, it was quite refreshing, although if you ask any parent what it's like to holiday post kids, uh, it's never really the same. <laughs> And uh, we did a lot of uh, playgrounds. In fact, I could probably tell you every playground within half an hour of Noosa. And uh, a lot of zoos, a lot of zoos. And uh, yeah, uh, we avoided the beach until the sun was lower in the sky to reduce sunburn. You know, these things that you think about when you have children that you just don't care about uh, beforehand. But it was a really great time and we're excited to be back and slowly catching up with everybody And uh, so, yes, it's good to see you this morning. And, uh, hey, we've got some Port Macquarie friends here. Jackson, the Vogels, hey. Awesome. I didn't know you guys were here sitting behind me. Awesome. Well, let's get into it because you don't want to hear me talk all day. So this new kingdom thats what we've been talking about, the kingdom of God, this new kingdom. And I was thinking about that phrase, and I thought, new implies old. That if there's a new kingdom, then there's probably going to be some old kingdom, some other kingdom. And I think if we really want to understand the full context of what the kingdom of God actually is, we need to understand the context of that there are other kingdoms. There's another kingdom out there uh, that the new kingdom is replacing. So uh, we we just heard it quoted before when Pastor Rick was uh, doing lead up. But Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Do you know who this is talking about? This is the principalities and powers. Yes, we we hear that phrase thrown around church a little bit, especially if you've been growing up in the church. But do you actually understand the context of what those things are? Because I didn't. I really just thought, yeah, principalities and powers, there's a devil, hell, something like that, bad guys, got it, right? But the Bible actually tells us a whole lot more about what is going on with these principalities and powers, and what role they play in God's overall story. And so I want to unpack a little bit of that with you this morning, without getting too deep into the weeds, because uh, we could literally be here all day going through pretty much every book of the Bible. So I've tried to condense it and, uh, and simplify it a little bit, but it's, it's very interesting. So uh, if I haven't got your attention already, just flick that on, because you're gonna wanna pay attention to this. It all begins in Genesis. Genesis chapters three to 11 is actually a long story about rebellion. God had set up the world the way he wanted it to be. And he gave us a choice of whether or not we wanted to do it his way or do it our own way. And we read about this snake in the garden and some uh, interesting characters in Genesis chapter 6 that caused the need for a global flood. And it all kind of comes to a head in Genesis chapter 11, which is the Tower of Babel story. And so I grew up in kids' church, and we knew the Tower of Babel story, right? All the people were united. That sounds good. They said, hey, there's, there's nothing we can't do if we put, to, put our teamwork. What's going to work? Teamwork. And so they thought, let's build this awesome tower up into the sky. And God said, this is not good. I don't like the fact that uh, they are united and that they, and, and God even says, they can achieve anything that they put their mind to because they are together. And I would have thought that would have been a positive thing, but God separates and divides the people, confuses their languages, and sends them out across the world. That didn't really make sense to me as to why God would do that, because I thought he wanted people to be united he wanted us to work together, and that should be a part of his plan, right? Is anyone else confused by that before? I, I was quite confused by that. But you need to read a little bit more. This is why the Bible, it's its the most hyperlinked book in history, right? It's even more hyperlinked than the internet, I think, because you can't just read one book or one chapter without trying to gain like there's so much more information there when you read other things so in deuteronomy chapter 32 we actually get a little bit more clarity as to what on earth happened in the tower of babel in genesis chapter 11 deuteronomy 32 verse 4 says this the rock his work is perfect and this is not Dwayne the rock this is the lord the rock for all his ways are justice a god of faithfulness and without iniquity just and upright is he they have dealt corruptly with him they are no longer his children because they are blemished this is talking about the people in genesis chapter 11. they are a crooked and twisted generation do you thus repay the lord you foolish and senseless people is he not your father who created you Who made you and established you? Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High, important term, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion, is his people Jacob his allotted heritage? What on earth is going on here? So this is a, this is saying when he divided mankind in Genesis chapter eleven, the Tower of Babel event, he divided them according to the number of the sons of God. Now, some older translations of the Bible—I'm talking about you know 30 years ago plus—they have translated this sons of Israel. The problem is that doesn't make any sense because Abraham wasn't even born when the Tower of Babel event occurred, right? So it, it, it couldn't have been the sons of Israel because he, you know, Abraham had to have Jacob and he had to become Israel. This is actually referring to characters in the Bible called sons of God. They're also referred to as uh, the heavenly host, the divine council, spirits, Uh, princes they've got all these different names and they are effectively uh, God's leadership team in heaven so there's this supernatural hierarchy right we've got the most high the one and only God the all-powerful being through which all things are made and then he's got these helpers right we might think of them as angels he's he's divided up mankind because what had happened is that man had rebelled against God. It started in the garden, and it continued all the way through, all the way until the Tower of Babel. And God said, okay, I've got this plan for you, but if you don't want to listen to it, then I will let you go your own way. If you don't want me to be your God, I won't be your God. And so God put these proxies in between the people and him. And uh, each nation was then governed supernaturally by one of his uh, divine counsel pretty weird right anyone going Oh, this is a little bit out there but i'll show you how this uh played out so uh who likes the book of psalms yes have you got a favorite psalm that you've memorized yeah maybe psalm 139 one of those really nice ones I I could probably have a guess that no one here would have their favorite psalm as Psalm chapter 82. Because if you're like me, you didn't have any idea that this psalm even existed. It's a very interesting psalm though, and I'm going to read it to you. It says this, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the little g -g 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 gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Now, the uh, Hebrew word God at the beginning of that sentence comes from the word Elohim, as you would know. But this little g, gods, that word also comes from the word Elohim. So this is very explicitly saying that the most high spiritual being it takes his place at the head of these other spiritual beings, this divine council that looks after the universe. However, God is judging them because they have shown partiality to the wicked. In other words, they have not led the people the way God instructed them. God said to give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked, but they haven't done any of that they got selfish and they too rebelled the rebellion in genesis wasn't just about us it was about the snake it was about these guys who have also rebelled which which means that god gave them free will as well just like us they have neither knowledge nor understanding they walk about in darkness all the foundations of the earth are shaken god had kind of set up the world to run on these this hierarchy, these foundations of authority, but they have been shaken and messed up because they didn't do their job. You are God's sons of the Most High. This is the sons of God term. All of you, nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. And then this is the psalmist speaking again. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all The nations. Very important end to that psalm. Who's never heard that psalm before? I hadn't. Weird. But it's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. I didn't just, it's the book of Hezekiah, you know, pull it out. This is in the Bible. This is talking about the same people at the Tower of Babel event. And we can see, so basically, let me summarize for you. God created the world the way he wanted it to be. There's a supernatural rebellion and an earthly rebellion simultaneously. The serpent in the garden rebelled. We rebelled. And it meant that God put proxy leadership in the supernatural between him and people because people didn't want him to be their God. So God had to restart by creating a new nation israel which is genesis chapter 12 right after it it's very poetic through which this nation he could reclaim all the nations that were separated from him in genesis chapter 11 but there's this supernatural war going on and there are a few passages in, in the bible um one's in job there's one in i believe two kings and the one i'm going to focus on today is uh, in daniel well, we can see the dynamics of what on earth is going on with these principalities and powers and God. So in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, uh, so Daniel's been praying for, uh, is, for Jerusalem to be restored. He's in captivity in Babylon, and, and uh, Jerusalem's been wiped out, basically. And so he's praying that God would send him, uh, would help the nation of, of Israel. And so God sends a messenger so then he which is the angel gabriel said to me daniel fear not daniel for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your god your words have been heard and i have come because of your words so so daniel prayed and then three weeks later an angel rocks up and says hey I came as soon as we heard, but I've been held up because the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. So this angel is saying the supernatural being that is the leader of the kingdom of Persia was getting in the way of me coming to give you the answer to your prayer. So then God sent Michael, who's another a member of the council, clearly one aligned to God, to come and deal with this nuisance and allow Gabriel to get through to Daniel. Crazy stories, right? Then after he gives the message to Daniel, he says, uh, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the, the prince of Persia. Good movie, but that's different. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come this is actually part of the prophecy that said that the the nation of persia would be overtaken by the greeks they were going to be the next superpower to come in and he's saying that the the spiritual head of persia was going to be overtaken by the spiritual head of of greece so it's like there's there's almost multiple kingdoms of darkness going on and they're sort of aligned against a common enemy which is god but they also got their own agendas which is really interesting So we've got this idea of supernatural authority. God gave authority to spiritual beings over nations. And he had a plan to restore everything that was lost through rebellion. And we know that that plan was through Jesus. Paul kind of illustrates how this happens in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm reading a lot of scripture. I hope you're enjoying it. So he's saying, until we meet Jesus, we are actually not in God's kingdom. We are in the kingdoms of darkness. And we are being ruled by them. And they don't want the best for us, like we read in Psalm 82. They want us to be destroyed. They want our destruction because they don't like God and they don't like that God made us. And he's saying that we were, yeah, we're under the influence of the prince of the power of the air, which I think he's probably referring to the devil. Um, in this, in this verse, like the rest of mankind. Mankind is in this kingdom of darkness. But what's really cool is that when Jesus came, he not only set us free from all of the wickedness, like the sins that we've done and the trespasses that it talks about, he's not only set us free from that stuff, but he's actually come to rearrange the a hierarchy of authority in the universe to flip things on their head Matthew 28 verse 18 you would know this verse, it's the Great Commission but I want you to read this with me with the context of what we've just talked about Jesus came and said to his disciples all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me wow All authority, including the authority that God delegated at the Tower of Babel, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations. Think about it. Jesus is speaking to Jews. They're they're the chosen ones, right? We're the chosen ones. We're God's people. You know we're we're his special people we're, we're the chosen i love the chosen then he's saying no no go and make disciples of all nations not just you not just the chosen people not just israel all of them i want them all back i want to reclaim every single people group every single person that has been lost because of rebellion It's uh, the fulfillment of the prophecy in Psalm 82 that, Lord, you will inherit all the nations. So I want to read you another uh, bit of scripture that you would know very familiar, but again, we've got this new context now. And it's Romans chapter 8. I think every Christian has probably read Romans chapter 8. It's a fantastic book, it's so, so rich and uh, life-giving but i think it's going to take it to a new level now that you understand what we've talked about this morning romans chapter 8 verse 14 for all who were led by the spirit of god are sons of god for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god and if children then heirs heirs of god and fellow heirs with christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him notice and this is also in in the greek this is not just in the english Paul has two terms to refer to us in this passage. Sons of God and children of God. Now, it's easy to read, oh, you know, we're sons of God. Oh, yes, you know, that's just the general, generalized masculine term, meaning all mankind, you know. Oh, yes, we're all sons, in other words, children. But if, if that was what Paul meant, why then later would he have said specifically children of God? It's because that's not what the first sons of God means. What Paul is saying, because he has the context and the readers of Romans, the original Romans, the church there, they have the context that the sons of God are the dudes we've talked about in the Old Testament. God's supernatural authority bearers. His proxy rulers. They were the sons of God. And Paul says... You are now the sons of God. That God has judged the ones that were wicked. They did not rule the way that he wanted them to. So he's replacing them with you. Why do you think the devil hates you so much? It's because you are taking his job. You are replacing him and all of the other whatever else is up there. You are sons of God, holy ones, the divine council, ones who have been given supernatural authority in this world. And you are his children. So there are two ideas being melded together. He's not just daddy God. He's also the commander in chief. He's also your general. He's the king. He's given you authority to be uh, a leader in his army. And he's your dad at the same time. We are fellow heirs with Christ. And we just read that all authority over all the nations has been given to Christ. That's Christ's inheritance. And we are co-inheritors with him. It kind of changes this verse a little bit, doesn't it? It's extraordinarily restoring and extraordinarily empowering for us. It's, it's as if you know how you do that analogy where you get up on a table or something and you get someone to try and pull you down and you gotta pull them up and it's like almost impossible to pull anyone up onto your level, you always get pulled down. Well, Jesus is the exception. He pulled us up onto his level. We, we don't drag him down. He's actually able to pull us up to give us rest- uh, restoration and authority. And what's more, if that couldn't get like crazy enough, let me take it to the next level. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul's writing again, he says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Now, this word saints is a bit controversial because we might think of like the Catholic saints and all of that tradition, but the word saints there is actually better translated as holy ones which is a direct link back to the sons of God, the divine council, the holy ones, the heavenly host, these, these beings. He says, the holy ones will judge the world. And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge the angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So Jesus has flipped the hierarchy around. It's no longer the Most High and then the Sons of God and then us. It is now the Most High and then us, his children, and we are to to judge the angels. We are now have authority over them, which is why we can say to a demon, you've got to go. Jesus says, you've got to go. I'm I'm here with his authority. I'm sorry. (laughs) You've... You have no place here. It's why you can walk into your workplace and declare that part of the kingdom. It's why you can walk into your family and say, Well, this is God's kingdom here. His kingdom's here. I can declare it because I have authority. Every spiritual being of darkness is under the authority that God has given us. Every single one, no exception. It's powerful. Could I go the band up? Half of them are related to me, the fam. I think we've said this a few times this year that the kingdom of God is where Jesus rules. I want to extend that a little bit and say that the kingdom of God is where Jesus rules through you. That is the kingdom. It's where, it's where Jesus rules through you. He's chosen us to be rulers, to be conquerors, or more than conquerors, I think the Bible says. We have a significant part to play. So I don't know whether you guys have ever had aspirations to be in government. I know I certainly haven't. I've kind of shied away from getting too involved with politics. But actually, we are called to get involved in governing, in ruling, just it's in a different dimension. It's in the spiritual. You're you're meant to be a ruler. You're meant to have authority and be a leader. That is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Which means when you see a need, you have a responsibility to ask God if he wants you to meet that need. When you see brokenness, you have a responsibility to ask God whether he wants you to restore that brokenness. When you see darkness, you have a responsibility to ask God whether he wants you to bring light. It doesn't mean that you go and try and fix everything all the time. I'm not saying you need to meet every single need you see, but you definitely have a responsibility to take that to God and ask him because he's he's the general right he's seeing the whole war he's seeing the whole uh, stretches of the kingdom and he he will position us where he wants us to be and he will weave us all together into this cohesive plan of the expansion of the kingdom of god we just need to follow him we just need to listen to him we have a responsibility But there's a key to all of this. I, uh, I didn't pre-prepare this scripture because God dropped it on me in worship before, but it's, it perfectly sums up this whole message. In Acts chapter 19, it's the story of the sons of Sceva. I'll read it to you. It says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs Or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims seven sons of a jewish high priest named skiva were doing this but the evil spirit answered them jesus i know and paul i recognize but who are you and the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them mastered them all and overpowered them 1v7 So that they fled out of the house naked and wounded jesus i know paul i've heard about him but who are you the authority comes from knowing him you have to know him it's not just about believing that the name of jesus is powerful they did Oh, well, this name of Jesus seems to work. It has power over these spirits, so we'll just try and use it. They believed it, but they did not know Jesus. And therefore, they were not a son of God. And so, before we were seeing that bridge, May his favor be upon you in a thousand generations. You have authority to say that and it be so. But I wonder, do you feel like you do have that authority? Are you able to confidently declare that over your kids? Can you confidently declare the plans of the Lord for their life? Can you declare blessing over them with confidence, knowing that it will be so? I can, I know, I know that my children will be blessed. I know that they will be uh, intelligent and successful and creative and courageous because I'm declaring it. I have authority to speak into their life, to shape them the way that God wants to shape them. And so I have zero doubt that they will become that. You have that same authority with your kids, you do. But maybe you don't feel like you do. Maybe part of you is unsure or doubtful. Same thing applies to your workplace. You have the authority to walk in there and say, this is the kingdom of God now because Jesus rules here. He does. The devil can't work here anymore because I'm here. Sorry. Some of you, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that. But some of us, we're like, can I do that? Really? I don't know. The answer is knowing him. Knowing him. That's it. You've just got to know him. And then you have all the authority in the universe to see God's kingdom come. I uh, caught up with my good friend Luke this week. And uh, he shared a bit of his story of the last few years with me and it was super encouraging. But uh, something he said to me was that he got to a place where he was like, he prayed this prayer. He's like, God, I don't even know how to know you. Help me. Teach me how to know you. It's like, I did not even know where to start. I just, what do I do? I don't know. God, I just humble myself. Just teach me how to know you. And God did an incredible work, like in, in, amazing work in his life, and he's still doing it. It's, just, it's that simple, guys. If you don't know the formula, it doesn't matter. Just say to God, I just want to know you. I don't even know how. Just teach me. I'm, I'm open, whatever. Hit me with whatever you got interrupt my day with whatever you need I, I i just i'm just i'm just a vessel i'm nothing i just want to know you that's all it takes so i wonder if you if you wouldn't mind standing with me this morning or finding a place at home where you're comfortable we're going to hand it to the band and allow them to sing but i want you to spend a bit of time and maybe you need to say to god god i want to know you I don't even know how, but teach me. Teach me how to know who you are. Make that your prayer this morning because He will utterly transform you. And then you will be able to walk in the authority that was destined for you. It's your inheritance, church. We are the co-heirs and rulers with Christ but we gotta know him first. Amen. Thanks team.